Walter Brown, Mysteries. Adventures in excitement and suspense, based on the best-selling novels by the slick storytelling sensation, Carter Brown. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Carter Brown introducing another of my books, Felony in Fashion, the story of Todd Gaynor, an advertising man who sets out to promote business and winds up promoting bother of the lethal variety. Of course, when a man's mixed up with fashion, he also finds himself mixed up with females of the lovely variety. So, with that combination of dames and disaster, Todd Gaynor has more than enough on his hands, and I'll leave him to describe it to you. <laughs> The whole thing began with a brainwave, and uh, looking back, I wish I'd had the brain to let the wave break and get out of the way. But there you are. An advertising account executive will do anything to safeguard his account, especially when it also means safeguarding his job. And that was why I'd rushed to the offices of Lamont Lingerie and an interview with Miss Beulah Lamont herself, a brunette with wide-spaced dark eyes wearing a thin silk dress that clung to her like paint to a wall. Only a wall is a flat surface. Take a chair, Mr. Gaynor. No, thanks, Miss Lamont. I'd have better standing up. The view's better this way. Mr. Gaynor, I understood this was to be a business interview. <sighs> I'm sorry. It's just that sometimes my baser instincts get away with me. Well, they won't get away with anything else, so let's confine ourselves to business, shall we? Oh, of course. Now, the... Uh... Come in. Ah, Eugene. I wondered what had happened to you. My apologies, Miss Lamont. I was delayed. Oh, it's all right. You're just in time, Eugene. <laughs> Mr. Gaynor, I thought our general manager should be present at this discussion. Yeah, sure. But I'm afraid Mr. Talcum and I don't agree on methods. That is hardly surprising, surely. As Miss Lamont knows, I have always disapproved of the distasteful modern methods of advertising lingerie. Yeah, so what do we get? No impact. Now listen, look, Miss Lamont, how would you like to make $100,000 in increased sales? Oh, naturally, I'd like it very much, but how? Your product is good, but... Your merchandising stinks. Really, Mr. Gaynor? Please, Eugene. Lingerie is a glamorous product. And you've got to glamorize its sales angle. But not vulgarize it, Mr. Gaynor. Depends upon how much you want to make money. You have a scheme in mind, Mr. Gaynor? Yep. Give each set of lingerie you produce in a different style a different name. Have an opening show, you know, like the dress designers, and plug the show in your advertising. Let's take a look at this picture. Miss Marilyn Maytime. Very attractive for a blonde. Don't you think so, Eugene? I'm afraid I consider her a common type. Well, nine men out of ten wish that that type were more common. Merrily Maytime is an up-and-coming starlet. Her first film's not too good, apparently, and she can use all the publicity she can get. So, there shouldn't be much difficulty in getting her to act as a model for your showing. Mr. Gaynor, you really think this scheme will work? I'm sure of it. My father died 18 months ago and left me the business. I've learned a lot in that time, but there's still a lot to be learned. I've been inclined to take Mr. Talcum's advice in most things, but on last year's figures, we made exactly $5,000 profit. This year, the way we're going, we'll be in the red. But, Miss Lamont... How much is your agency paying you, Mr. Gaynor? 10000 a year. 
Very well. If you genuinely feel your scheme would work, I'm willing to try it. Miss Lamont, you and my Elsa will never regret it. If it doesn't work, I won't be the only one to regret it. I'll make you a firm proposition, Mr. Gaynor. I shall close my account with your agency. That was coming anyway. I simply can't afford them. But I am willing to try this plan of yours on one condition. Yes? That you take the position of advertising manager of Lamont Lingerie. I'll offer you 12000 a year, plus a reasonable expense account. Well, that's very... It's not nice of me at all. I want to make sure you do your best to see this thing work successfully. At the end of the financial year, if we are not in the red, I shall confirm your appointment. If we are, I shall terminate your services abruptly. Um... If I take the job, what is my relationship to uh, Mr. Talcombe? You will answer to me and only me, Mr. Gaynor. But, Miss Lamont, you can't do that. I've made up my mind, Eugene. Well, Mr. Gaynor? I'm ready to start, boss. Everything worked like clockwork. Merrily Maytime agreed, the invitations went out, the press was organized, and when the night of the showing arrived, I was feeling pretty pleased with myself. An hour before the show was due to start, I was down at the Carlton Hall checking the arrangements. Lamont's designer, Paul, an excitable Frenchman with an excruciating accent, was there too. Uh, Todd, all is prepared. We start with the negligee, yes? By all means. Then the nightgowns and the sets, the slips and the panties. Fine. I have the most wonderful sets. I give them the most wonderful names. I try one on you. You think I'd look cute in a slip and panties? Imbecile, I try the name on you. Oh. Midnight in Paris. How do you like it? Not bad. Ah, it is magnifique. It is in black satin with the scarlet lace trimming. Pablo, I have it. We will not start with the negligee. First, we give the Mademoiselle Merrily in the midnight in Paris. It will be more dramatic, eh? Whatever you say, Paul. Bien, I go to make the arrangements. It will knock them for the loop. <sighs> now, let's see. Chairs all set up. Uh, the bar. All the... ready for your big night, Gaynor. Talcum, why don't you take a powder? I just thought I'd take a look around. If there is anything uh, undesirable about this show, I shall consider it my duty to report it to Miss Lamont. Why worry? She'll be here. Did you know, Gaynor, that Miss Maytime has a very uh, dubious past? And just what do you mean by that? I've made it my business to inquire. I thought it my duty to make sure that there was no danger to Lamonts in associating their name with Miss Maytime. And you found some dirt? Plenty. I suppose everyone has a skeleton in their closet. It would be a pity if Miss Maytimes were revealed tonight. We intend to reveal a lot of Miss Maytime, but we haven't gone as far as the skeleton. Still, that's an idea. I hope, for your sake, that everything runs smoothly. Come on, Alfonso, ask someone. Hey, you guys anything to do with this show tonight? I am. I'm Lamont's advertising manager. Can I help you? I guess so. You can get me two seats in the front row. Ah, that's impossible. Alfonso. Sure, Bush. Now listen, you... Hey, 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 put me down! What do you think you're doing? Alfonso's a strong boy, as you can see. He only needs one hand to lift you off the floor. There ain't nothing impossible when the boss wants a gun busted. Just let him uh, drop, Alfonso. Okay. What are you trying to do? Jar every bone in my body out of place? I got a personal interest in Merrily. I want to see this show tonight. You wouldn't want any trouble, would you? I let Alfonso get annoyed, and before you know what's happened, he'll take the place apart. <clears throat> Two seats in the front row, you said? In the center. In the center. And what names? 
Duke Reinhardt's and friend. You just got yourself two seats in the center of the front row, Mr. Reinhardt. You're a sensible guy. What's your name? Todd Gaynor. I remember you. Let's go, Alfonso. That was uh, rather unfortunate, Gaynor. Yeah, but I'll bet you enjoyed it, seeing me manhandled by that oversized gorilla. You shouldn't have let him have those seats. Shouldn't have let him? Well, I was being waved about in midair like an Indian club. Nevertheless, you made a great mistake allowing Reinhardt to be present tonight. Why? Because Duke Reinhardt is a dangerous racketeer. He is also Merrily Maytime's ex-boyfriend, except that he does not consider himself ex. By around 7.30, the band had put in an appearance, and shortly after that, Merrily Maytime arrived, complete with a short, fat character, who I guessed was her agent, and her maid... A delicious dish with half-closed eyes. I figured a guy could have fun opening them. The maid, uh, her name was Elise, and I registered that, went off to the dressing room, and the blonde starlet turned to me. You're Mr. Gaynor. How are you, honey? Hmm? I said hello. Uh, hello. This is my agent, Abe Schlinkel. Hi. Are you sick or something? Or something. I, I don't think my blood pressure is going to be able to stand a combination of you and Midnight in Parry. Is that some sort of crack? Oh, no, it's some sort of satin with lace edging. Uh, listen, you can talk to Mr. Gaynor after the show, baby. You, you better go get ready. Never keep the paid customers waiting. Oh, you might have to wait for your 15%. Is that what you mean, Abe? I never wait for my percentage. I take my cut, then you get the rest. You know that, baby. I know it, and I'm getting tired of it, Abe. What the heck? You've got to have an agent, so why not stick with a good one? I intend to. That's why I'm going to ditch you. I'll go and get ready. See you after the show, Mr. Gaynor. I'm looking forward to seeing plenty of you during it, Miss Maytime. Uh, if you uh, don't want to take an notice of the way she merrily talks, Mr. Gaynor. Mr. Schlinkel, when she's in front of me, I'm too busy looking even to hear the words. Uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I better go see everything's all right with her. Yeah, you do that. Todd, is anything wrong? You look as though something's hit you. Yeah, a blonde with twin fenders. That, I presume, means that Miss Maytime has arrived. She has. And the band's there. Everything's organized. How about you, boss? Well, I'm not very happy with this idea of my having to introduce the show. Look, what's wrong with having two gorgeous girls on the program? With you out there fronting, we'll get that much extra publicity, especially from the male reporters. I suppose that's a compliment, but I only hope nothing goes wrong. I wouldn't like to see you unemployed, Doc. You have the gift of the subtle hint, I see. It is a good crowd, Todd, no? Yeah, Paul, not bad at all. How are things in the dressing room? Oh, that Mademoiselle Marelli, she has the chic. And a couple of other things besides. Uh, she's ready for the first number when you are Todd. Okay, I'll go tell Miss Lamont. Oh, yeah. oh, the lights, they have gone out. The fuse must have gone. Ladies and gentlemen, please keep your seats. Uh, the electrician, we must find the electrician. No use trying to move in this darkness. Please keep calm, everybody. The lights should come on again any minute. Ah, there we are. A signal the band quickly. Ladies and gentlemen, I must apologize for the unfortunate accident with the lighting, but we are now ready to start the show. And without more ado, let me present the celebrated Miss Marilyn Maytime to display the first of the month's latest creations, Midnight in Paris. 
when you see her in this tart, you will acclaim it as superb. Oh, here she comes. Oh, something is wrong. The slip. It should not have scarlet lace on the bodies. She's not walking properly. She... She has fallen! That wasn't scarlet lace, Paul. That was blood. Todd Gaynor. Advertising manager of Lamont Lingerie. Only an hour before, I'd been rolling that title tenderly on my tongue. Now I was wishing I'd never heard of Lamont Lingerie, never had thought up that brilliant publicity scheme of a showing for Lamont's new styles because the showing had been stopped by murder. I went through the rest of the evening in a stunned stupor. From the time that Merrily Maytime sank to the floor with blood tinging her shapely bodice, to the interview with the lean, lynx-eyed lieutenant named O'Malley, who turned up from homicide. After the questioning and the statements were over, we were allowed to go. With my head still reeling from the shock and unexpectedness, I made my way to my car. Oh, Mr. Gaynor, thank goodness you've come. It is. What are you doing here? Well, I've been waiting for you. I- I've just got to talk to someone, Mr. Gaynor. What about? Miss Maytime. Oh. Okay, slide over while I get in. I guess it's pretty tough on you, Elise. Your mistress being murdered puts you out of a job. That's not what I'm worried about. Oh, then what's your problem? Well, it's like this, Mr. Gaynor. This morning, Mr. Schlingel called, and he and Miss Maytime had a furious row. I couldn't help overhearing. Uh Uh-huh. She was saying he was robbing her and, and, and she'd get another agent. And he said she wouldn't dare, that she ever tried it. He'd tell the world what he knew about her and, and that it finish her in films. Yeah, go on. Then she said if she told everything she knew about him, he'd spend the rest of his life in Alcatraz. <laughs> he just laughed and, and said something about five wins. Then she threw something at him and, and he left. Well, then what? Well, that's all. <laughs> so what's your worry? Well, I don't know what to do. I didn't tell the lieutenant about it because Mr. Schlenkel had always been very nice to me and I didn't know whether the argument had anything to do with the, with the murder. Uh, do you have any idea what Schlenkel meant about five wins? No idea at all. It doesn't add up to much, does it? Well, my advice is to say nothing for the present to anyone. Why, do you know something, what it means? No, no, at least. But if you didn't mention it in your statement... Well, it'd look strange if you came out with it now. Yeah, well, that's what I thought, but I wanted to ask someone, and and you seem the best person to ask. Thanks, Mr. Gaynor. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure. Uh, well, it's uh, it's getting late. I'd better run you home. Home? Oh, no, I couldn't go back to Miss Maytime's apartment tonight, Mr. Gaynor. I just couldn't. I'd go crazy. Well, what are you going to do? Well, you're so kind. I thought maybe you'd let me stay... Your apartment. My apartment? Now, wait a minute. Well, I I could curl up on the sofa or something. I wouldn't be any trouble. Well, that isn't exactly what I was worried about. When I got into the office next morning, the atmosphere was rather subdued. Nobody talked much about the murder, but it was easy to tell everybody was thinking about it. In answer to a summons from the boss, the beautiful Miss Beulah Lamont, I went into her office for a conference. 
Eugene Talcum was there, too, and he wasted no time saying his say. I told this Lamont, and you too, Gaynor, that I was against this whole idea from the beginning. Now, look, Rich Goddess, mixed up in a murder. Highly undesirable. For the dead girl, sure. But callous as it may sound, not so undesirable for Lamont Langerie. In what way? I figure it's made us about a million dollars worth of publicity. Publicity! Just a minute, Eugene. Todd's right. It may be horrible to say, but it's true. All we have to do is to make sure that we get our ads for the new styles in the papers. And you'd better start the factory working double time. There's only one thing wrong with that. What's that, boss? Miss Maytime was murdered a little too quickly. She didn't have time to model more than one set. That means we haven't any pictures of the new styles. And at such short notice, we can't get them. Oh, we'd need a model. Uh, 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 that's where you're wrong. We've got a model. Who? You. Miss Lamont? Um, modeling the, the, those... You're out of your mind, Gaynor. Oh, Eugene's right, Todd. I couldn't do that. It's the only answer if you want those pictures in time. But it... It's absurd. What are your vital statistics? 37, 26, 37. Well, if you call that absurd, you don't look in your mirror. I won't hear of it. The owner of Lamont Lingerie, the sending to modeling, the garments manufactured in her own mills, it, it's sordid and disgusting. If we have to close the mills down because we can't sell our product, it would be even more sordid and disgusting. In your father's time, Miss Lamont, the business always prided itself on being a conservative concern thinking only of the good quality of its products and its prestige in the business world. Already, in less than 24 hours, you have turned it into a dime store novelty with business methods straight out of a comic strip. I am to take it, then, Eugene, that all you can do and intend to do is offer criticism of the way I run my business, whilst everyone else is left to do the work? I will not associate with these... these cheap jack methods of merchandising. Then your usefulness as general manager seems to have terminated. I'm afraid, Miss Lamont, that isn't quite as easy as all that. Your father had different ideas of my value to the organization. I might remind you that I have a contract with Lamont Lingerie, a watertight contract. That was how Mr. Lamont wanted it. You never know, Eugene, he said. You never know what may happen if I should die. An inexperienced girl will take my place. She will need the support and advice of a capable executive who understands the business. Unfortunately, you have consistently ignored my advice, Miss Lamont. Should you change your mind, I am, of course, at your disposal. Good morning. Good morning. What? Oh, it's, it's you, Lieutenant. Excuse me. Did you want to see me, Lieutenant O'Malley? No, Miss Lamont. I want a word with Gaynor. They told me he was in with you. I called on him at his apartment this morning, but does he answer the door? No. A babe answers the door. And what a babe. Really? Uh, is there somewhere I could talk with him in private, Miss Lamont? You can have this office, Lieutenant. I have to go and make arrangements about some photographs anyway. I'll leave word that you're not to be disturbed. Thank you. You know, Gaynor, you could call me surprised when that maid Elise opened the door of your apartment. Uh, yes, Lieutenant. So surprised that I had a talk to her, quite a talk. She told me a few things I didn't get around to hearing last night. Yes, Lieutenant. All about the good advice you gave her, about not telling me about the row between the Maytime dame and her agent, Schlinkel. Uh, yes, Lieutenant. So after I left her, I went around to see Schlinkel. I thought we should have a heart-to-heart -heart talk. But we didn't. No? No. He found it hard to talk with his throat cut. 
What? That's right. Somebody had walked in on him and lacerated his larynx. Schlinkel? Yeah. So you can understand why I was so anxious to talk to you. You second cousin to a cretin! If it wasn't for the fact that the doctor established the time of death as around five this morning, when you were in your bedroom with the maid on the sofa outside, I'd book you on a double murder charge. I have an alibi? Yeah. And that lets me out? Yeah. Well, in that case, kindly don't raise your voice to me, Sergeant. As a taxpayer who contributes to your salary, I don't like it. I might remind you, patrolman, that you owe your job to people like me, ordinary, decent, taxpaying citizens who... I hadn't who... finished, Mr. Gaynor. I wouldn't dream of booking you on a double murder charge in view of your alibi. But there are plenty of other things, like withholding vital evidence, for instance. That's a Lulu, worth about seven years in the pen. Uh, no, uh, Captain, I, I spoke hastily. Please forget every word I said. Sure, I... Mr. Gaynor. On one condition... You just name it. All you have to do is get down on your knees in front of me and say, Lieutenant O'Malley, I'm very sorry for all the trouble I've caused you, and I promise it won't happen again. What? After that, you say, as a tax-paying idiot of a citizen, I am not really worthy to lick your boots, Lieutenant. No, I won't do it. You can get down on your knees, or you can have the withholding evidence charge thrown at you, Mr. Gaynor. Take your pick. Do you mind if I wipe the floor first? This is a new suit. After the uh, ceremony was over, O'Malley left with a pleased smile on his face. My face was red, and my thoughts were a riot. Schlinkel, murdered. Well, while I was trying to make sense out of it, the door opened, and the bus walked in. The lieutenant finished with you, Todd? Yeah, boss. What did he want? Oh, uh, just a few more questions. Uh, how did you make out with the arrangements for the picture? Oh, everything's fixed. I feel a little apprehensive about oh, it. Oh, you'll be terrific. But, look, what are you going to do about Talcum? Has he really got that contract he was talking about? Oh, I'm afraid so. I was overseas when my father died. He, he must have arranged that contract as a sort of safeguard for me. Uh. Well, in a sort of a way, I can see how Talcum feels. I mean, he's probably been general managing the business since before you were born. No. He was only made general manager six months before Father died. He'd only been with the firm about three years. Uh -huh. Well, your father must have thought a lot of him. I guess so. But I'm more interested in seeing that we make a profit than in what my father thought. That's why I'm making you assistant general manager and acting general manager until Eugene regains his senses. Hey. Why? Well, I, I just don't know what to say. Don't say anything, Todd. Just live up to my confidence in you. I'll do my best. Did Lieutenant O'Malley have anything interesting to say about the murder? Only that there's been another one. Another one? Yep. Abe Schlinkel, the Maytime girl's agent. He was murdered in his apartment. But, but why? Search me. It may have something to do with what Elise the maid told me. What was that? She overheard an argument between Merrily and Schlinkel. Apparently Merrily had something on Schlinkel and vice versa. She was threatening to expose him or ditch him as an agent, and he was telling her that she wouldn't dare because of something to do with five winds. Have you ever heard of anything called five winds? Five wins. 
Does that mean anything to you? Why, it's perfectly ridiculous, of course. One of those crazy coincidences that you don't believe in until they happen to you. What are you talking about? It so happens that the Lamont country house is called Five Winds. Father died there. been quite a day. As far as I was concerned, its only bright spot was the knowledge that Mrs. Gaynor's little boy, Todd, had an alibi for the two murders in which Lamont Lingerie was involved. But what with my humiliation at the hands of Homicide's hawk-faced Lieutenant O'Malley and the mystery of the Lamont Mansion Five Winds, I was all set to bestow a blistering bawling out on the maid Elise who'd opened her mouth to O'Malley. When I unlocked my apartment door, the gainer gaze was grim. Hey, Lise, I'm back. That's nice, baby. What? O'Malley? What are you doing here, Lieutenant? Waiting for you to come home, Gainer. How did you get in? You'd be surprised how a janitor reacts to a police badge. Where's Elise? What have you done with her? Nothing. The joint was bare when I got in. She'd gone? That's my deduction. Maybe she felt bad about spilling the beans to me about that uh, five winds business. Yeah, could be. What do you want, Lieutenant? If you've got any ideas about making me crawl around the floor on my knees some more... No, I want your help. Are you kidding? If it'll make you feel happy again, you're off my list of suspects. Thanks. And I figure you can help me. How? Well, I checked up on that business about the lights going out during that showing you organized. And? And the way it stacks up, this was a premeditated killing. The murderer must have had an accomplice, someone to take care of the lights while he did the knife work. That makes sense. Now, the two murders, the Maytime girl and Schlinkel, must be connected. Yeah, I had got that far myself. That means I've got five suspects, leaving you out of it. How do you figure that, Lieutenant? Because Schlinkel's killing narrows it down to the people who are connected with him and the Maytime dame. Ticking him off, that means Duke Reinhardt, because he'd been involved with Marilyn and probably knew Schlinkel. Alfonso comes in automatically because he's one of the Duke's hatchet men. He could have either pulled the lights or done the stabbing. Neither Cho would bother Alfonso. Then there's Miss Lamont. How do you include her? Because indirectly she hired the Maytime girl through Schlinkel. Hey, wait a minute. I did all that, not Miss Lamont. Maybe, but she knew all about it. And for the fifth suspect, we have that French designer, Paul. Paul? Where does he come in? Don't you know? Know what? He was the guy that Merrily tossed the Duke for. He also had a fight with Slinkle in her apartment about a couple of weeks back. Bust a couple of Abe's teeth for him. Well, how do you like that? I never thought he had it in him. Say, that makes the Duke your best bet, doesn't it? Could be. I'm putting out a general alarm to pick up Reinhardt and his pal. Well, then what do you want me for? Because I could be wrong about Reinhardt, and you work at Lamont's. I want you to dig around and see if you can find out anything there. If I start asking any more questions, they'll clam up. But you could nose around, and no one would figure it was anything more than curiosity. You've got a nerve. After what you did to me today, oh, you go and do your own snooping. 
You know, uh, when I mentioned the Lamont dame, I thought it uh, kind of upset you, thinking that she might be a suspect. What if it did? Well, here's your chance to help prove she's in the clear. And a good-looking doll like that might be grateful, too. Lieutenant, you have a point there, but definitely. Okay, you got yourself a hound dog. I didn't realize you knew yourself so well. That is a perfect description. The lieutenant left me with a lot to think about. I was sitting with a cigarette and a short drink trying to make sense out of the setup. O'Malley had hit on a sore spot when he mentioned the lovely Miss Lamont. I shot away from the thought that she was really involved with the murders. Then my phone shrilled. Hello? Yeah, who's that? This is Paul. Oh. What's the matter, Paul? Having trouble with your slips and patties? No, no, no. I'm having trouble with my conscience. Well, what have you done? Snipped the wrong slice out of your satin? Uh, Todd, I must see you. It is important. You mean now? Please, Todd. Okay. Where are you? Do you know the blue cage? The downtown spot? Yeah, sure. Uh, can you come at once? Okay. I'll bring my wallet. You get into that cage without one and you find out what blue means. cute gimmick in this joint. Blue lights, blue music. Makes you feel as happy as a guy who's got six months to live. Thank you for coming so quickly. Well, you said it was important. It is. I have something to show you, a picture. A picture? You didn't drag me down here just to show me the publicity shots they took today. No, no, no. But those were magnificent, Todd. It was an inspiration to use Mademoiselle Lamont as the model. Never before do I realize she has the shape so superb. Why, you're too busy designing curves to look at them. Please, please, we are off the track. Okay, let's get back on it. Uh, what's this picture you're talking about? Here. See for itself. He slid a small glossy square across the table until it lay in the center of the pool of blue light thrown by the lamp. It was the photograph of a man and a woman. The sort of picture that makes perfect blackmail material. You see, Todd? Yeah. But I prefer not to. You recognize the girl, of course. Sure. The late Merrily Maytime. Taken quite a while ago, I'd say. And the man? Well, there's something familiar about his face, but uh, I don't know him. You will not have the chance now. He's dead. Who was he? His name was Lamont. Henry Lamont. What? We, oui. The father of Mademoiselle Lamont, who is our employer. So that's why Merrily ditched Duke Reinhardt for you. You were holding this over her. Do you think that? What else? I think I could kill you for that. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Take it easy. If I'm wrong, I apologize. But it seemed the obvious thing to think. Well, how did you get this picture? I find it this afternoon. Among the things brought back from the Carlton Hall last night. It was under one of the sets. I thought it must have fallen or been dropped among the lingerie. And then in the haste of gathering it up, no one noticed it. Yeah... That could happen, I guess. Well, that means either the girl herself lost it, or Schlinkel, or the maid, or you. Well, that's everybody who was ever in that dressing room. Except for one other person, the murderer. Yeah. Hey, excuse me, sir. Yes, what is it, waiter? Are you Mr. Gaynor? That's right. Would you and your friend please come with me? The proprietor would like a word with you. 
What about? I don't know, sir. I was asked to fetch you. Oh. Okay. Come on, Paul. Let's go see what the proprietor wants, whoever he is. That's the door there, Mr. Gaynor. Thanks. Now, look, what... Oh, no. Oh, yes. Duke Reinhardt. Nice of you to drop in tonight. I was just arranging to uh, pick you up, and that French guy, too, but uh, I was lucky you came to me. Huh? You're the proprietor? Yeah, but it's uh, kept pretty quiet. What, uh, what do you want with us? Alfonso's waiting outside in the car. We're going to take a little ride. Look, what's the idea, Reinhardt? Where are we going? Button your lip, Gaynor. I'll have Alfonso do it for you. He'd enjoy it. You won't get away with this, you know. Todd, Todd, please, do not anger him. The cops will be right on your tail, Duke. They're on it now. That dumb O'Malley put a put out a general alarm to pick me up. Then you're only making things worse for yourself. No, pal. This way I'm making them better. This is the place, Alfonso. Pull up here. We're getting out of here, Gaynor. What for? You'll find out. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I figured I didn't have to tell that French character to sit still. One look at Alfonso and he nearly fainted. Well, you tell me what this is all about. Where are you taking me? Don't you know this house? It's where your boss lives, the Lamont Dame. What do you want with her? The pleasure of her company. All right, ring the bell. And don't try any funny stuff. There are half a dozen guys who could tell you I'm a good shot. If they could talk, that is. Yes? Todd! Well, this is a surprise visit. No more for you than for me. This isn't my idea, it's his. And who are you, may I ask? A guy with a gun, lady, who wants you to take a little trip. I... I don't understand. You will when I tell you his name's Duke Reinhardt. Miss Lamont, is anything Who's that? wrong? My general manager. He and I were having a business discussion. Well, your business is going to have to wait for mine. Hey, you in there. Miss Lamont, what's going on? Gainer. Welcome, Telcom. Come and join the party. What's the meaning of this? Who, who's that man and, and what's he doing with a gun? Itching to use it, buster. Yeah, you better come with us. But... Don't argue, lady. I'm running out of patience. The car's waiting. Let's get moving. Well, but this is outrageous. I, I refuse to go anywhere. This, why, this is tantamount to kidnapping. Listen, pal. Right now the cops are looking for me about a little matter of a double murder charge. You think I should worry about adding kidnapping to the list? I, I... After you, Mr. Talcum. <sighs> We piled into the Duke's Cadillac and Alfonso headed its nose out of town. It was quite a crush in the back with Beulah, Paul, Talcum, and me. But this was one time when there didn't seem to be any point in protesting. After about an hour's driving with the speedometer never falling below the 70 mark, the car turned into a driveway of a large house. As the headlights hit the building, Beulah Lamont clutched my arm. Todd, do you know where we are? Search me. This is Five Winds. What? That's right, lady. Your country house. What do you want with it? Why have you brought us here? 
Well, I'll tell you. The joint's empty, isn't it? Yes. That's what I figured. We'll be safe from any interruptions. You, you're, you're keeping us prisoner? Yeah, you can call it that. But why? For what reason? Merrily Maytime was my girl. Once. Now I'm being tagged with her killing. And that jerk slinkles. So I decided to handle things my own way. But why bring us into it? Because one of the people in this car is the murderer. Dirk Reinhardt wasn't the kind of a guy to waste words or effort. When he found the front door of Five Winds locked, he signaled Alfonso the human bulldozer. There was no door built that could stand up against him, and we were hustled into the living room, a vast expanse of space filled with shrouded furniture. I felt like any minute one of the shrouds was going to be taken off a chair and used on me. And I could see that the others, Paul, Beulah Lamont, and Eugene Talcum, felt pretty much the same. Okay, now, just so we get it clear... We're all staying in this house until I find out who did the two murders the cops are trying to pin on me. Well, that's new. A racketeer turned detective. Don't get smart, Gaynor. Miss Lamont, is there any liquor in the joint? In the cellar. That's probably locked, too. Now, look here, Reinhardt. This is absurd. I don't want to hear from anybody till I say, pal, so button up. But uh, just how do you propose to discover who is the murderer? Well, first off, we're going to play a little game called Secrets. Everybody's going to tell their secrets. What they know or know about Merrily and Schlinkel. And I'll start off. I first met Merrily about two years ago, toting a cigarette tray in a dump on the east side. You know, she was the first dame I ever met who said no to the mink and a cozy apartment routine. She wanted a career, so I introduced her to Schlinkel. And soon as she started getting in the dough, she told me she was all washed up with me. Said it wouldn't do a career any good to be associated with a non racketeer. <laughs> And you accepted that, Mr. Reinhardt? Uh, I didn't want to, but, well, what choice did I have? When I heard she was doing that modeling job for you, Miss Lamont, I thought it might be a chance to see her. That's why it came. Uh, perhaps it is my turn now. I have not much of a story. I met Merrily maybe nine months ago. She's modeling. We go out, we like each other, c'est l'amour. But she tells me we must not be seen together. She has the jealous ex-lover, a gangster, and he will kill me. So we are very careful. Then the Hollywood chance comes for her. After that, she is so careful that I do not see her at all. Then I realize that the gangster and I, we are friends. We have both received the brush off. And so when she comes to do the modeling job, you lose your temper and kill her. Is that it, Frenchie? No, no, no. I am with Todd. How can I kill her? Reinhardt, since I only came along for the ride, as it were, perhaps I might make a suggestion? I'll listen, Talcum. I have only one piece of personal experience connected with the murder of the unfortunate Miss Maytime, and it is this. Todd Gaynor suddenly came rushing to Miss Lamont with his idea. It was he who organized the showing and persuaded Miss Lamont to engage Miss Maytime. I should like to ask Gaynor just why he had the idea, and just why he was so insistent that Miss Maytime should be the model. Yeah. How about that, Gaynor? That's ridiculous. I never met Merrily until the night of the showing. Maybe someone paid you to organize the thing and to do the killing oh, even, huh? Look, I was reading a magazine which had a picture in it. It struck me it would be a good idea to get her as the model, that's all. I don't think I believe you. 
Alfonso. Yeah, Duke? I think you better take Gaynor outside someplace and persuade him a little. When he's all persuaded, you can bring him back in here. Boss, it'll be a pleasure. And I know just the place. The cellar. Nice place for a little exercise, huh, Buster? It's big enough, all right. All these bottles. The guy who owned the place did himself proud. Well, I guess we'd better not waste time. The boss says persuade you. That's just what I'm going to do. Only do me a favor, pal. Be obstinate. Okay, I will. With this bottle. <laughs> You're a scream, pal. You think a bottle's going to stop me? I ain't even going to use my gun on you. I'm going to take care of you with my bare hands. Guess you're just a one-bottle man, Alfonso. No, I didn't shoot him. I just figured a shot in the cellar might worry some of the people upstairs. Then I started for the living room, moving as quietly as I could. The living room door was half open and I could hear the conversation. That was a shot, I tell you. That ape might have killed him. Oh, relax. Alfonso wouldn't kill him. That shot was probably only to frighten him. Well, it didn't. What? Drop the gun, Reinhardt. You heard me get rid of Alfonso, didn't you? You want to go too? Drop it. Thank you. Good work, Gaynor. Now, we... Pipe down. And that means everybody. Duke, I'm going to short-circuit your search for the murderer. Yeah? Yeah. I've got a few ideas of my own. Like the accomplice... The guy who turned the lights off for Merrilee's murderer. No one seems to have thought of Schlinkel. You mean... Sure. Why else would he be murdered except to keep his mouth shut? But why would he be an accomplice? Why would he help to kill Merrilee? Well, I've been doing a lot of thinking about that, and here's how it seems to me. Elise the maid told me about the quarrel between Merrilee and Schlinkel, where they mentioned five winds. That's the name of this house. That's right, Duke. And I think I know what five winds meant to the girl and her agent. What, Todd? A photograph. The type of picture that's usually touted around the waterfront dives a man and a woman. The woman was Merrily Maytime. Hey, you're lying. She wouldn't do a thing like that. I saw the picture. I figure the murderer was showing it to Merrily just before she was killed and must have dropped it in his hurry to get out. Paul found it later. What's that got to do with five winds, this house? Well, I'm sorry about this, Bueller. But the man in the picture was your father. Uh, no. No, Todd, you must have made a mistake. It can't be true. I wish it wasn't, but... The whole story's in that picture. Somebody wanted that picture to blackmail Henry Lamont. So he went to Schlinkel to find the right girl. Schlinkel produced merrily. I figure the client was probably a good amateur photographer and took the pictures himself. But why, Todd, why? I'm coming to that. Well, Merrily gets her Hollywood break, decides to get rid of Schlinkel. He threatens her with the exposure of her part in the blackmail. Comes the Lamont showing, and I think Merrily's got a bright idea. She wanted to get rid of Schlinkel... So she told him that unless he gave her a signed release that he was no longer her agent, she'd tell the press exactly what she'd done to Henry Lamont. Oh, but you don't know that for sure. No, it's the only way it adds up. So, Schlinkel rushes to his old client, the guy who wanted the pictures in the first place. Because the client would see that if Merrily blew the works, he'd be in strife too. And that was when the murder plot was cooked up. And when Schlinkel signed his own death warrant because he not only knew about the pictures, he also had the murder to hold over the client's head. So Schlinkel went the way of all flesh. Yeah, it figures. Only why was this stunt worked on the Lamont guy at all? Miss Lamont, didn't you tell me your father died while you were abroad? Yes. And when you came back, you found that someone who'd been quite a small fish in the firm was a senior executive with a watertight contract? Yes. 
How do you write as an amateur shutterbug, Eugene? If you are inferring that I'm the murderer, Gaynor, you must be even more of a maniac than I thought, which is saying a great deal. Now, drop your gun, Gaynor. Hey, that's my... Your gun, Mr. Reinhardt, yes. Nice of you to let it lie on the floor, Gaynor. Now, drop yours. <laughs> that's better. One last thing. The keys to your car, Reinhardt. I've got them. You? How did you get them? I went through Alfonso's pockets in the cellar. He was driving, remember? I took his gun and the car keys. That was very thoughtful of you. Throw them to me. That's being sensible. Now I'll say goodbye. Too bad your game of secrets didn't work out quite as you planned, Reinhardt. Torch, we must do something. He will be a hundred miles away before we can get the police. Relax, Paul. He won't get any further than the front drive. What? I was wondering what you were pulling. You've got the keys to your Cadillac. Yeah. Yeah, I threw him the keys to my Jaguar. If those keys fit the caddy, the two manufacturers are going to feel insulted. Let's go get him. I owe him something for Merrily. Hold your horses, Duke. By now, he'll have found the keys don't fit. What do you think he'll be doing? He will come back here, perhaps. No. He'll realize the only way out is the car. If he can't use it, he'll make sure we don't. He'll be sitting in that car with the headlights on to prevent us getting to him. You're right, Todd. But what can we do? Only one thing. Go look for a rope. It took a few minutes to explain my idea. The house had two stories. With a rope, I figured I could let myself down from one of the front windows under the top of the car. With Paul making sure the rope held, I slid down it and landed on the roof of the caddy with a thump. Then I took my courage in both hands, wrung it dry, and slid down the back of the car, wishing they'd never thought of widening the back windows. There seemed an awful lot of glass to slide over. I hit the gravel with a scrape, reached for the extra piece of rope in my pocket, and undid the cap of the petrol tank. Fed the rope into the tank, gave it a few minutes to let the petrol soak in, and then lit the end. As soon as the rope flared, I started running. I made about 12 feet and hit the gravel, hugging it like a blonde who felt lonely. The tank exploded, and as the flames bit around the back of the car, the door opened and Talcum came plunging out. At the same time, a figure came diving down the porch, Duke Reinhardt with a gun in his hand. The gun I'd taken from Alfonso. You're not getting away with it, Talcum? No! Duke, you okay? Yeah, I got him. I got him for Maryland. Hooray! What did he do for you? He couldn't hurt Duke Reinhardt. Him? An amateur? Why, he only... The tough part is, Duke, that even an amateur can get lucky. Hello? General Manager, you are not even coming to the office. You should see the orders pouring in. Yes, boss. The newspapers want an interview. I thought I'd better say yes, so they're coming to the house at seven tonight. Would you come and protect me? Protect you? What from? The, the newspaper man. Ah, I thought you meant me. And I was going to say I couldn't guarantee anything. I'm not asking for any guarantees, am I? <laughs> Now, wait a minute. I've always believed in close cooperation between a general manager and his boss. You have? Well, just you stay right where you are. 
I'm coming to prove just how close their cooperation can be. So with Mr. Gaynor getting his girl, I think we might say finish to felony in fashion. I'll be back again to bring you another of my stories. The next one's called The Widow is Willing, and she's some widow, as Mark Hunt, an insurance investigator, finds out. So this is Carter Brown saying so long for now. Be seeing you. Felony in Fashion, you heard Margaret Christensen as Beulah Lamont, while as Todd Gaynor, you heard our star, Leonard Teal. The Carter Brown Mystery Theatre, based on the best-selling novels by Carter Brown, is dramatised and directed by Maurice Travers for Grace Gibson Radio Productions. <laughs>